Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Mike's on. He's ready to go. On the fan. New York Sports Radio. Mike's on. Mike's on. All right, we come to you on this Friday, July 24th, as we uh, follow the afternoon along with the Mets. Baseball is back, and uh, we just got the first little uh, swing of the season from Cespedes as he finally uh, did something to earn some of that money over the last couple of years. Uh, went big fly here to take a one nothing lead. It's been a frustrating game for the Mets, typically a typical Met game. You know, the Grom is utterly brilliant. Uh, can't get any support. Uh, the Braves flashed the defense. Inciarte brought back a two-run home run uh, that Davis hit. Uh, made a great catch. Also made a nice running catch in the last inning off McNeil. Uh, but, you know, DeGrom was great. Lugo's been good for two innings. Bottom of the seventh. Cespedes hits a home run. Uh, Mets haven't done much with the bats today. Really haven't done a whole lot. McNeil's hit the ball hard a couple of times. But Cespedes gets them on the board. And now... What you're going to see here is exactly what you wondered about all year uh, and all the time with the Mets. What's going to happen with the back of that bullpen? Because the Grom gave you what he always gives you, five overpowering innings, one broken bat hit, that's it. Again, no run support, which is shameful. Uh, Davis tried. He did hit one that looked like it was long enough to go out over the center field fence, but Inciarte, you know, is a great outfielder, made another one of those catches at the wall, which he makes all the time. So Lugo does give up a double, gets out of the inning in in his second of two innings, and now Batances is warming up to pitch the eighth. You know you're going to see Diaz in the ninth if Batances gets through the eighth. They have a one nothing lead against a team they're going to battle all season. It's going to come down to this game after game. The Mets have power in their lineup. Alonzo hasn't looked great today. All right, he hasn't looked great so far this uh, this want to call it spring or summer, whatever it is. It's early. All right, Cespedes, he brings that game breaking ability to the lineup. That's what you want to see him be able to do. One swing, change games. He did. He gives them the lead now, and now. After Lugo gives you the two good innings, and Lugo is just a gem 
Uh, I would prefer him as a starter. The Mets have no intention of making him a starter. Uh, he's got to get that through his head. I hope he has for his sake. Uh, it's a costly move for him versus what he would bring because I think he would be a number two starter on a team. I think he's that good. I think you could stretch him out and make him that kind of pitcher. But that's not the plan. And now we're going to see exactly what the Mets need to have a chance to be a playoff team this year, and that is use their power, which they have throughout that lineup. McNeil's good enough to win a batting title. You have Conforto, who can be a 30-home run guy on a regular year, so to call it whatever you want this year. You know, let's call them 30-home run guys, and you can say what it would come down to in 60 games. But you have now Cespedes back. You have a guy who hit 50 home runs last year. You have Davis, who's got, obviously, a lot of power. So they got plenty of guys. When you have a lineup that has Cano batting 6th, Davis batting 7th, Ramos batting 8th, and Rosario batting ninth, that's a heck of a lineup. So they got plenty of punch in the lineup. They're not a good defensive team. You can see how much better the Braves are, especially in the outfield. How much better are the... the I mean, the Braves have saved runs with their gloves today. Uh, the Mets, a pass ball almost doomed them there. And you know how dangerous Ramos is behind the plate. Uh, Braves' defense is superb, no question about it. Now, we'll see what the Mets do as they go to the eighth with the bullpen. Uh, oh, we're going to get... We're not getting Batanzas first. So you're going to get... The depth of the bullpen, but you know you're going to see Diaz in this game if it stays one nothing. And this is chapter one in what will be an important saga this year. Can Diaz turn it around? Can can he be what he was in Seattle two years ago, or is he going to be the nightmare he was last year? I have no faith in him. I would not have brought him back. We'll see if the Mets made the right decision or wrong decision there. Now they do have other guys who can close, but once they take him out of the closer role, he's worthless. And it's doomed. And the fans hate the Cano part of the trade anyway. They got an agent Cano. He's not Robinson Cano of 45 doubles and 30 homers. That's a Hall of Fame player. Those years are gone. But he's still, listen, last year in 390 at-bats, the guy had 40-something extra base hits. Second half of the year, he had a 930-940 OPS. He looked good. He looked terrible early, except for the first game of the season. I think there's still some life in the Canelo's bat. I don't think he's going to embarrass you ever with the glove or the bat. I think he's fine now. No longer is he a middle of the lineup hitter. Hit him bat. Bat him sixth or seventh. Who cares? Play him five days a week. That's fine. But the key to the deal is, is what you're going to get out of the closer. And he's going to get his chance probably right here if they can hold the lead in the eighth and set him up. Now that they got the brilliant performance, which they did from DeGrom again. DeGrom was, you know how great he's been in the afternoon his whole life. You know how many of these games you've seen where you just shake your head. Hey, how come you guys cannot score a rotten run for DeGrom ever? I mean, it is unbelievable how many games we've seen like this. I mean, he was utterly untouchable today. And it'll be a fascinating thing to watch during this very, very short 60-game regular season between Cole and DeGrom because they both can be overpowering pitches. To say Cole's better, hey, hard to say anybody's better than DeGrom right now. I mean, DeGrom today looked completely overpowering. Five innings, eight strikeouts, 72 pitches, 48 strikes, throwing fastballs 98, 99 miles an hour, throwing sliders 92, 93 miles an hour. I mean, he looked absolutely great. So now it's Justin Wilson. It'll probably be Patances. And then 
if anything happens, and then uh, most likely Diaz. But we'll see if this unfolds. The Mets have got to prove that they now. Right now, they got a little. They got some shorts with the starting pitching because of the injuries to Syndergaard, and then the injury to Stroman, and now the injury to Gesellman. They have some shorts in their starting pitching. No question about it. But this bullpen has depth. The question is, can Diaz anchor it and be what they want him to be? They have power. Not great defensively. That's always going to be an issue with this team. And you see just how good the Braves are and how athletic they are defensively. But you have a great pitcher in DeGrom. You have plenty of power in the lineup. And it's a team that can be good if the pieces all click, and a big part of that is the back of the bullpen, which we'll see unfold here. Game one, there's going to be a lot of these games where the Mets take a lead into the bottom of the eighth inning. Let's see if they can hold it. The Yankees did what you expect the Yankees to do last night. Stanton had more of you guys last night, I think, than he had all last season. All right, listen, he looked good last night. Ripped one 460 feet to start the game. Got a base hit on a laser beam to right field a little later in the game with, uh, that scored another run. You got a couple of hits out of, out of uh, Judge, and Cole did his job giving up the one hit, the home run, to start the game. And other than that, he was untouchable. Five innings. Hey, it's amazing when you think about it. I was thinking this last night. Now, we knew thunderstorms were in the offing all evening. We had... Tremendous thunderstorms here last night, depending on what area you were in. If you're in New Jersey, you felt them. You felt them on Long Island, too, last night. If you were up late last night, uh, you got thunderstorms that were just wicked last night. Um, they were able to get the game in. is a positive way to look at it. But it's amazing that after all the time everybody waited, they couldn't even get the game to its entirety. But, hey, five innings is better than nothing. Uh, and then you Dodger fans saw the Dodgers route last night, although Kershaw, which I didn't know when I left here that he was not going to pitch. I found out about five minutes after I ended the show last night that he was not going to pitch last night uh, and obviously isn't going to pitch for a while. So uh, that's an issue. Wilson is uh, giving up a bloop to start the inning. So like I said, this is going to be what defines the Mets. When they take a lead, when they get the well-pitched game, whether it's behind DeGrom or anybody else, when they get to those late innings, get to the 8th and ninth, can they get the game home? This is going to be what defines them more than anything else. Power in the lineup, length in the lineup, okay? Defense not great, probably not going to kill them. The back of the bullpen is going to be the defining tale for this team this year. They have got to be able to be confident that they can sustain these leads at the end of the game. You say that about every team, understandable. But this is a big issue with this team, a very big issue. And it will, I think, without any question, be the thing that defines it. That's why I think Patances is going to be such an enormously important part of this team. Yankees, of course, again, five innings, nothing exciting. I mean, Scherzer, hey, it's early. You know, he struck out plenty of guys. He still shares a gave up a couple of runs last night. Yankees are loaded. We know that. Dodgers are loaded. We know that. It would be stunning to see either one of them not in the postseason this year. Uh, and baseball, at least, has been able to jump into this season. And now having it back, hey, does give you something to look forward to every day. The other sports are going to come quickly behind it. 
we still have a lot of things to figure out here. You know, college football's in a crazy state right now, trying to make decisions. And uh, really, the whole thing there is just very much up in the air right now. I mean, that it's something we will see how it unfolds. But at least here in late July, we do have baseball underway. The Mets trying to hold on after the Cespedes homer in the eighth inning. Uh, you know it'll be uh, a roller coaster ride for these final six outs. The Yanks looking like the Yanks are supposed to look uh, last night. A lot more to do. We've got some Adams to talk about. What else is new? I'm tired of talking about him, but uh, he's going to attack every part of the organization until he gets his way. The problem is very hard to get what you want to trade this guy and have a team give you the draft picks that you think he's worth and then pay him. That is not a smart way for a good team, the one that would be getting him, and you figure they're probably a playoff contender. That is not a good way for that team to use its assets, is to give up top draft picks and then have to pay top dollar. You don't want to do both for a player. That is a terrible use of assets, and that's why it is very tough to find someone you can match up with in making a trade for a player now who has hit the owner, today hit the coach, and is obviously doing everything he can to grease the skids to get out of here. Back after this. All right, we're back here. uh, And in his first game, the Mets manager, uh, in his debut here, in his baptism under fire, has put himself in a tricky spot because he's left Wilson in the pitch to Acuna with a runner on second base and two out with a base open, and he got away with it. Acuna hit 389 against lefties last year. That would have been a very tough one there. He got away with it, uh, obviously not wanting to bring Batances in with guys on base. Uh, with a guy on base, and now Diaz is warming up. So it'll be Diaz in the ninth as Wilson gets through the eighth. Diaz in the ninth will get his first go-round, and we will see if this is a new year, very much a new year. I mentioned, uh, Adams, listen, you know what I think about the player. There's no question. There's no debating. He's a top safety, but he's not as good as he thinks he is. And he has been nothing but destructive to a team that continues to lose. He has attacked every part of the organization. He has separated himself from the other players. He has basically said, I played well, so you know, don't blame this on me. He has gone after now the owner. He has gone after the coach, which he did today, saying he's not the right leader for the team. All right, he's done everything he can to get himself out of here. He said he would play. We needed a new contract from the Mets. And they are under no reason, responsibility, or anything else to give him a new contract. He is playing out his rookie contract, which is done all over the league. And you could even say that this is not the right move for him to make at this time. But he has done it. He has done it in a big way. And he has really, what, what some people have not paid attention to is he has really gained in terms of his regard around the league by being with these defensive coordinators he's been with because they have allowed him to be much more pronounced in the attacking of the quarterback than a lot of other defensive coordinators would have been with a safety. This guy's only got two interceptions in his career. 
Coverage is not the strongest part of his game. He is versatile. He can hit. He can tackle. He can play all portions of the game that you needed safety. But the thing he does best is he is a guy who can attack from depth. He's a guy who can get to the quarterback. He's a guy who can put a lot of pressure on the quarterback. He's got a lot of sacks. He's got a very high number of sacks for a safety for three years. But he's also been allowed to attack the quarterback in very aggressive systems. And if you put him in a system where you're going to ask him to be a lot more of a coverage guy, his worth is going to go down because he is best suited by this system. Always look at a defensive player in the system he's in. And if the system is accentuating his abilities, recognize that, that he might not be the same in another system. And he has to recognize that he hasn't. And he hasn't given them credit for allowing him the ability to attack the quarterback as much as they have. His safety number is the number that jumps out. I mean, his sack number is his number that jumps out for a safety. And the quarterback pressures and the amount of time he spends attacking the quarterback and where he attacks it from on the field. Instead, he spent his time at 16 and 32 over three years. Rather than be quiet and play through this contract and try and build something here, he's tried to do everything he could to get out of here, whether it is to get to his beloved the Cowboys or to get to any other team. Problem is, if you're a team like the Cowboys or whatever team that's trying to do something this season, if you bring a guy in, pay him top dollar at the position, and then trade a one and a two, or heaven forbid, two ones for this guy. I could trade two ones for him anyway. You're not going to do it. You're never going to get that. But let's say a one and a two, a one and a three. You do that and then pay a guy top dollar. It's a tremendous burden on your own assets. You don't mind paying a player if you can get him as a free agent. You don't want to give up draft picks and then pay him at the top of the league. It doesn't work that way. It's a terrible way to do things. That's why he's a tough trade. And that's why the Jets are going to have to take less on the dollar because of that if they want to dump him. And I think now, though, their hands are tied. I think they have to dump him. Before I get to the calls, um, you know I said yesterday late in the program that this will be my last program. It is. I don't want to dwell on it a lot. Uh, I will get some calls in before we say goodbye. Um, I want to make it about sports because we've had so little time in the last couple of months to talk about sports at all. As far as things that are happening, it's fun to be out there analyzing a game again. You know, whether it was the Yankees last night or the Mets right here. It's fun to do. I mean, this is what it's about. This is what you love to do. So as the Mets bat in the bottom of the ninth and we get ready for Diaz in the top of the ninth, it would be nice if the Mets could put an insurance run, run across, but I doubt it. Uh, they did get a two-out single from uh, Nimmo, so maybe McNeil hit a homer and make it a uh, different game going to the, bo- to the top of the ninth. But we'll take a quick break and be right back. All right, we're back, and this is what it's all about. And this is what we want to see. Diaz on the mound. Uh, one nothing met lead. They have held the Braves to three hits. Uh, DeGrom was great for five. Lugo for two. Wilson in the eighth. And now uh, Diaz gets a ground ball the second on the first one. You know how how much trouble he had last year, you know how many home runs he gave up and how many saves he blew and what a nightmare last night was. The Mets brought him back. They believed in him again, and now he's got the ball in a one nothing game, and he's got Freeman and Azuna with one out. And here's Freeman, who had the uh, virus, who had a over 104 temperature 
He was very sick with the virus. Actually, didn't even know if he'd play this year. He's back. He does look very, very light. He's probably, you know, lost some weight with what's going on. You know how dangerous a hitter he is. You know how tough he is. Uh, And you have him and you have Azuna, who hit a double his last time up. And again, is another dangerous hitter. But this is it. This is what the Mets uh, have to believe in. And they have decided that Diaz can do this job. And this is what it's going to be about. This, if you want to go to the playoffs, this is a very big step. And this is a scenario where you have to get through these games and get through these ninth innings with Diaz. He's 3-0 and on Freeman, so be very careful here. Uh, very careful. And, oh, he went and Freeman just missed hitting a home run on 3-0. and He was all over it. Diaz served it up, and he just hit it in the upper deck about 20 feet foul. Uh, He's lucky, very, very lucky there. Freeman was sitting on it and said, you want to give me something I'm going to hit here? I'm going to take it. Be very careful here with Freeman, who can tie this game up with one swing and is a Met killer. And he walks him. So here we go. Start the merry-go-round. And again, I don't have any faith in Diaz. I really don't. Uh, I'm not knocking him. I just think there's some guys who are not made for New York. I think he looked to be one of those guys last year. There was really no explanation. And now he's got to deal with uh, a very dangerous hitter, one out, one on, and get through this innings. I think it's Adams. Let me check. I think it's Adams behind Azuna. It is in the lineup. So two guys who can hit a home run coming up with a runner on first and one out. And let's see if Diaz can uh, do the job. This is what it's about. You know, so many times last year, he either put the fastball where he shouldn't have put it or he hung the slider. There he threw a very, very nice slider. Uh, That is his pitch. That is what has to be there for him this year if he is going to get the job done. He has got to be able to get that slider where he can control the at-bat and control the hitter. That is what made him the big closer that he was. And if he's going to be that again for the Mets. And, hey, the Mets, every time I asked them, they said, no, we believe in Diaz. Here he is, game one, with the scenario that you expected to see. And that is with a one nothing lead, with one out in the ninth and a man on. Struck out Azuna. As a matter of fact, Azuna took a pitch. It was obviously not what he was looking for. Took a pitch with two strikes, and now it's two outs and Adams up. So he's one out away from getting a save in game number one. Uh, It was a good pitch. Pitch was over the plate, hit the corner. So uh, two out, Freeman on first, and Adams up. I'll get to your calls the rest of the way as soon as we see whether Diaz wins this battle. Adams obviously, uh, you know, figured prominently this year, as a matter of fact. Dangerous hitter. I, I thought when I first saw Adams... I thought he was going to be a big home run hitter. And I thought, man, this would be a good lefty DH for the Yankees. I mean, he had that perfect Yankee Stadium power swing. Hasn't been as good a player as I thought he would be, to be honest with you. Bombs one. I mean, way out in front, but bombs one into the upper deck down the right field line. Foul. So uh, way out in front. Way, way out in front. All right. And... uh, Again, one nothing. DeGrom was great. Cespedes has hit the home run. So all the things you thought about, DeGrom being DeGrom, Cespedes coming back and hitting a home run, and now Diaz doing his job 
We'll see if he does. He's down to Adams down to one strike. He's got a one-two count on Adams with two out in the ninth with the Mets looking to win their opening. We know the Mets and what they've done on opening day. We know how successful they've been and their amazing record uh, on opening day. Diaz strikes him out. So he game one goes to Diaz. So the Mets win one nothing on the Cespedes home run. DeGrom went five. Lugo went two. Wilson. And then Diaz, with all smiles, gets the save. So the Mets get a W uh, on opening day. And so far, the baseball season in New York is exactly what you hoped it would be. DeGrom pitched well. Cole pitched well. Uh, Stanton hit a home run. Cespedes hit a home run. So you guys have nothing to complain about right now, right? We'll see. Matt Manhattan, what's up, Matt? Yeah, I was sad to hear the news yesterday, so I'm happy I was able to get through today to say goodbye and congratulations. Well, thank you, Matt. There's at least one more of these to go before it's all said and done. Um, no, no, they, I, this is that. that, that I don't. Th- I, I doubt it very much. But listen, <laughs> they've been they've been uh, very nice about this, and you know it's a very different time. It's a good time, I think. Uh, I, they wanted me to wait till sports came back, and I and I did. So I think I think it's I think it's a good time. I really do. Okay, baseball comment and question. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, comment go ahead. is. As a big big Yankees fan, I was very sorry to see Betances go. I, I actually think that he has a chance to become the best reliever that the Mets franchise has ever had, if they'll, if they'll give him that chance and if he's healthy. Uh, and my question is, with relation to COVID, I know they have contingency, they have all kinds of contingency plans, but I've been hearing recently that some states might roll back to like a stay-at-home at order. If they can't play in their stadiums anymore, do you know if baseball has contingency plans for moving teams around? That Don't know that yet. Uh, again, um, if they had a place like California wiped out, where right, they have some, yeah, something like that, uh, where you're going to now, I would think that they would make them go into the Arizona spring training camps and play there, uh, uh, maybe play some series on the road and make them the home team, which is what they talked about doing in Toronto before they finally settled in Buffalo, uh, making them the home team even when they're on the road. Remember, you don't have fans in the building, so home away, yes, people are built more to their home team stadium Less so than in the past, but you don't have fans in the stadium, so the home field advantage should not be as big. Although, again, people are tailored to their ballpark a little bit. Although, let's be honest, the Yankees, uh, you know, if anything, have a, you know, a enormous amount of right-handed power where, you know, historically they've had an incredible amount of left-handed power. So just to show you how different and how times change. Joe and Nutley, what's up, Joe? Hey, Mike. How are you? Good. What's happening? That's why I said I've been following you since day one. I'm going to miss you very much. You are the sports radio with Babe Ruth as the baseball. Well, that's that's very complimentary. Thank you. And one thing that I've always lived for every October, I'm 46, so I've never seen a game at the old stadium before it was renovated. And every year in October, you always seem to talk about the 64 World Series and Game 3 and Mantle's Homer. And you always seem, the way you describe it, you bring that to life for me. And no one's ever done that. So I really appreciate that. Well, uh, thank you. And I did get a chance, luckily, to to see that stadium. You know, uh, and I'm sure a lot of people listening did uh, see it before it changed. I didn't see Ebbets Field. I would have liked to. Uh, I saw the polo grounds before they tore it down. The Mets played there. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, the old Yankee Stadium really was, I mean, it was, it needed refurbishing, but it was a heck of a place. It really was. 
And then but, also, just yes. one more quick question. Yes. Um, yes. Do you think if the Yanks win this year, if it will be even more well-earned? Because the competition is really going to be a lot tougher. Because instead of having like 18 games against the Orioles, you're going to have extra, those extra eight games. You're going to be playing the Nationals, the Braves, the Mets. It's going to be a lot tougher. Listen, and there's another playoff round. To so. me, the playoffs are legitimate. The regular season this year is illegitimate. Any way you slice it, it's illegitimate. So what happens here is just to, is just to get you to the postseason. It's not a legitimate season. It really isn't. All right? It's just you got to live with that. But championships to me this year that will be won are legitimate championships because the playoffs will be as hard to win as they've ever been. So to me, there's nothing that won't be gained. If you win a World Series this year, it will be every bit a World Series. And I I promise you this, even the Yankees, who have feasted on World Series for, you know, 100 years or 90 years, even they will treat it as nothing short of a legitimate championship. So uh, And so will the Dodgers. And those two teams are obviously the teams to beat. We all expect that. But, hey... Winning in the playoffs, as the Yankees and the Dodgers have both found, is not easy. Ira in Staten Island, what's up, Ira? Hey, Mike. Listen, all the best to you. You're Thank you, Ira. Stay healthy. Thank it's you. A great run. You know, the Adams thing, I'm not going to waste time. We both feel the same. It's, it's become an embarrassing situation. Well, I mean, who's tomorrow's target until he gets traded? I mean, who's next? I mean, you know, he's, he's taking out everybody he can take out, basically. Yeah, I'm not quite sure. Maybe, maybe he'll start going after some of his teammates. But uh, it's just an absolute embarrassment. And you know what? Um, they're in a bad spot. You just cut your bait, get what you can. But really why I'm calling it, thank you for all these years. And the one thing I regret is that all the years you've been on and all the years we've talked, I never got a chance to talk to you about a Jet Super Bowl. And that's the one thing It just, uh, it's you know, I guess. Uh, I hope we get to, listen, you and I have both lived through one, okay? I hope we, uh, we I, I still remember that day. Uh, very well. I remember sitting there with my brothers and watching as, you know, they completely dominated that game with the running game, with Snell running left, with them keeping that Colt defense off balance, with the way the Jet defense played that day. So I remember that day. I remember that game like it was yesterday. Dan in Pittsburgh. What's up, Dan? Hey, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Just want to say thanks again for everything, just like everybody else. The last caller actually stole kind of my thunder, um, but I was wondering if you could rank, I guess, from legitimate to most illegitimate, uh, the major, four major sports seasons. The, this year? Think, yeah, for this coming year, yeah. So obviously we have the baseball I, modified. I, I think, listen, I think baseball's regular season is the most illegitimate because uh, because hockey and basketball got a good amount of their seasons in. So for them, uh, they don't have anything to prove in their regular seasons. Football, we'll wait and see what they do, but it looks like they'll play their season. Uh, so baseball's regular season will be, I think, extremely illegitimate at 60 games. But I think their postseason will be in every way a very fair and very, very tough test to produce a championship team. So I think the postseason will stand up to everything, any scrutiny. I think it is legitimate. I think it's going to be very tough. And I think anybody who comes through that postseason will uh, have earned a championship in every way. 
And, hey, just ask the Yankees or the Dodgers how tough it is. Look how many years now the Dodgers have been incredibly talented and they can't win a championship. Look how many years the Nationals fell short and always were seen as chokers and couldn't win the big one, couldn't win the big series until they could. You know, that's what happens. You know, you can't win the big series till you can. That's what changes things. You know, the perfect example of that is the Pittsburgh Steelers. The Pittsburgh Steelers were looked at as a team that couldn't win the big game until they went off and won four straight Super Bowls in six years. Until they finally did beat the Raiders. Until they finally did win the big game. And then it all changes. And that's what changes it is winning one time. That's what changes it. It changed it for the Red Sox. The Red Sox were changed from losers to prolific winners in the last 20 years by what? By getting down 3 nothing to the Yankees and winning four straight games and then going off to sweep a World Series. They haven't looked back since. Mike in Jersey, what's up, Mike? Hey, how you doing, Mike? Good, Mike. What's up? Hey, uh, congratulations on the retirement again. Um, I wasn't sure if I missed the show. Is this going to be it or are you going to have a podcast or anything? Um, listen, I have no plans right now. Absolutely none. Um... I am not saying that I am not going to ever appear or do something again. Um, what I'm saying is I'm not going to have a regularly scheduled Monday through Friday show again. I want to have some freedom. I want to be able to to not be committed to that. Uh, I want to be able to, you know, travel with my family, travel with my kids when they go to these colleges. I want to take them to all these different visits that are coming up. I have three in high school right now. Um, That's an important part for me. Uh, I want to spend more time with my wife in Florida in the years to come. Uh, and And I felt that if you're in Florida, I don't think you should be doing a daily show here because I don't think you cover, I, I don't, I think you need to be here to really feel what's going on, to do it from Florida daily and act like you can capture the, the emotion, the passion, the, the, the feeling in the city. I, I, I just don't think you can. You can, but it's not the same. It wouldn't be the same for me. I, would do, I wouldn't do it that way. I never wanted to do it that way. So I want to be able to spend more time there. Uh, we have a house in Florida now. Um, so there's a lot of reasons. Plus I have some other interests. So I asked if I could get out of a daily commitment. I'm not saying you, you won't hear me as a guest. You won't, hear me, you won't see me on any other station in New York, AM or FM, except FAN. Uh, that's it. And I could be on as a guest sometime. I could you know, show up at an FAN event or something. That's all possible. But, again, I don't think routinely it'll happen, but it could happen here in a den. You know, maybe they'll have an old-timers day or something. Who knows what, what it'll be. But as far as a daily program, no, I'm not going to be doing any more uh, day-to-day programs. This is it. Um, Barry in Florida. What's up, Barry? Hi. All right. So this is just a guy. Yeah, you always got to have one fool on the last show. You got to always have one more on. So there's one to fill the bill. Mike in Mayapak. What's up, Mike? Yeah, you think of July 24th, the Pinesville game. Can you imagine if this was 1983? That would have been... And there comes the, uh, there comes the other one, okay? Because, you know, listen, Mike and Mayapak has to get on. He has to. Uh, Matt and Madison, what's up, Matt? Hey, Mike. Congratulations on the retirement. Second one, just like uh, Michael Jordan, you're the best. Both definitely deserve two retirement. So, congratulations. Uh, well, th- appreciate it. Thank you. 
I know you're a big baseball buff. I'm a little disappointed with 60 games, and I know 162 is so ingrained in baseball, kind of a dog season summer and, you know, the pitching rotation and everything. And I was curious if they could have given any consideration to playing, let's say, six triple headers a week for nine weeks and give the players off one day a week, and they could have got the season in in nine weeks, actually, if you do the math, and you could maintain the integrity of the 162-game season. Absolutely could, yeah. I think I think you know nine or ten triple headers in a row would have been perfect. I, I really do. Mike in Philly, what's up, Mike? Mike, it's an honor to speak to you one last time, I think. I don't know, but I hope you'll one day talk to us again. Maybe. Let me just say... Mike, let me, let me say what you meant to us all these years, though, because it's the time to say this. From the bottom of my heart, as a kid growing up in Philadelphia, now an adult in Philadelphia, I picked you, Mike. You were my guy. I would come to turn on the TV for Mike. I wanted to see you. I wanted to talk to you. I, I had the honor to meet you. I got a picture with you. I show it to everybody. A buddy of mine's a weatherman in Florida. And we talk about you all the time. I broke the news to him. I was so heartbroken last night. Because this is it, Mike. So where are we going to be able to hear you? You know, during the football. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not sure, uh, Mike. And I thank you uh, for being there all these years. Uh, I, again, I have no plans right now. Uh, I have. I have nothing planned. Uh, I'm not retiring. Like I said, I don't want to have a daily schedule anymore. I don't want to be locked into being anywhere every day. But I expect to do some stuff. Um, I will wait and see, you know, if there's a couple, I have already received a couple offers, so, uh, I'll sort through them. Um, like I said, I'm not going to do anything that's daily anymore at this stage, but I will do some things here and there. Uh, I'm not sure exactly what, you know, I've dabbled with the idea of doing a book I've had a couple of offers to do one, um, I don't really uh, consider myself someone uh, – I mean, I think I would use a writer to write it. I would just organize it and let someone else write it because I just don't think I uh, am you know, talented enough to write a, a really good book, and I'd want it to be a really good book. So I think I'd, I'd, I'd pick an author that is you know, a very established author that could write it, uh, but come up with some themes. I've, I've actually put some stuff together uh, that we've looked at with some editors and they've liked – that you know that really looks at the last thirty years in sports from a different angle. I've I've toyed with that, but I don't know if I'll ever do it. Maybe, maybe not. I'm not sure. So I really, like I said, I don't have any plans. You know, I've had the same basically for thirty three years. I've done the same thing for most of those years until the last couple. Uh, for thirty of them, I was in the same place five days a week for. You know, five and a half hours every day. We had the longest show in the country. We did when it was Mike and the Mad Dog. We did when it was me. Uh, Dog and I put together almost 20 years. It was 19 and a half years we were together. Now I've been together. You know, uh, now it's since we've uh, split up, we've put almost 13 years apart, um, which is almost as long as we were together. We were together 19 and a half years. It's been an incredible run uh, to watch FAN become what it's become, to watch the business change as it has. I mean, it's it's changed so radically. Uh, It's going to change radically some more because the technology continues to change so 
quickly. And there are so many, look what streaming is now. You see the new, you've heard of Twitch now. Look what Twitter has brought as a conveyor of information. Okay, um, I know Twitter has become unpopular for some of the vitriol, and it should. And I really believe one of the things that is going to happen is the commissions, the federal commissions, are going to eventually create laws that will make you have to adhere to the same standard that is part of broadcasting on television and radio. It will be the same in social media where you will be under the same guidelines. You will be under licensing the same way. You will have a commission that can find people, that can take people off the air. So I think the days of being able to just say whatever you want without any repercussions on social media will come to an end because social media is going to become the standard. It's going to become the biggest part of our culture in terms of media. And when that happens, it will be legislated. And it needs to be legislated because you cannot allow people. And that's where it has cropped up things that are not good, like fake news. Fake news comes from the fact that people are allowed to say anything they want or report anything they want as fact in social media and get away with it. That has to stop. And some of the nastiness and some of the vitriol has to stop. And it will. It will take years for that to happen, but it will happen. And you see how much, look what streaming, the, the inroad streaming has made. Look at how big pod, podcasting hasn't been uh, incredibly successful from a revenue standpoint, but in terms of popularity and what it's offered to people a chance to get their voices out there, it has been enormous. There are so many podcasts in this country, it's amazing. I mean, you know, it's just incredible. See, I said to the kids that come up now as broadcasters, when I've talked to them in colleges or in different functions, um, it's easier now to get a job than it was when we broke in or when I broke in. When I broke in, there weren't that many, many places where you could work. Now there are so many places where you can work, but the harder part is breaking through and getting recognized because there's so many shows, there's so many voices, there's so many podcasts, there's so many different people working, people producing content that you have to cut through to be successful. That's the hard part. See, if you're a brand and you've been an established brand like I've been or other people have been fortunate enough to be, it works economically. If you haven't been able to brand it yet or break through or cut through, then that's the hard part. It's not hard now to get heard. It's not hard now to have a voice. Hey, anybody can have a podcast. Anybody can go have a show you know, on YouTube. It's easy to do. Some of them have been successful. You know there's kids out there with successful shows that get a lot of attention. It's a very different world now. But to cut through and be good at it is very, very hard. Let me get a couple more in quick before we say goodbye. Um, uh, Sal and Sable, go ahead, Sal. Hey, Mike, real quick. I was 14, 15. Sunday mornings is the only time I could listen to you, Mike. I'm 43 in my patrol corps out on Long Island. 
Uh, you've been a blessing. God bless you and your family, and I hope to see you down in South Florida on the golf courses, up at the spa with no masks on. Let's make some progress next couple of years, Mike. You're the best, brother. Thank you, Sal, very much. And again, to all of you out there who have listened from the very beginning, you know, the show, the Sunday morning NFL show was the show that put me on the map. I was first heard on the station in July 1987. I first did my first show by myself sitting in for Pete Franklin on Thanksgiving Day, 1987. I've been doing shows on the fan regularly ever since. It's been there. I've been there for 33 years. The fan has been my home for 33 years. Uh, It will always be my home. It will always be part of my being. Um, And I thank all of you for, because, hey, it's about the people. It's about the audience. Without you listening without you being there day after day i would never have had the run that i've had and i've had one of the you know really enduring runs in the history of uh radio which i'm very very proud of uh, you know for 33 years and to have a show that was as successful as it was for all those years first with the dog for 19 years and then by myself afterwards so uh i thank you for that and you know you guys have been great you really have uh i wish you all very well um, be safe during these crazy times. And uh, it's not goodbye, you know. Again, you'll hear from me again somewhere, sometime. But until we meet again, be safe. And again, thank you very much for uh, all these years and all these memories. And uh, again, without you, it never would have happened. So I thank all of you uh, very, very much. Uh, and I'll see you along the way. So again, thank you. And enjoy this crazy year as best you can. It's good to have baseball back. And, uh, again, be safe and enjoy this year the best you can. We'll see you along the way. And, again, until we meet again, uh, be safe. Thank you. Bye. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.